What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. That'll show up in a second. Once we go live, you'll see. We're, we're live right now. So we're live. We're live. Live, Stu. So live, now you Stu. can retweet it. Perfect. Yep. Uh, for everyone just joining in, my name is Rob Doster. That gentleman you see below me is the one and only Jeff Goodman. And we are joined today by the host of the Glo- Go Blue with Stu podcast, the one and only Stu Douglas. He's uh, he's a little down in the dumps today. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a very good night for uh, for Stu and for the, the Michigan faithful tonight. No, I don't really know what I watched. Uh, and I was just waiting. You know, I'm waiting for them to turn around like they always do. And it just didn't happen. And it's like, I feel like an idiot. I don't know. But these things happen. I mean, what are you going to do? It's college basketball. Yeah. Yeah, there's it a reason why like, the game. It looked like the early days of the, the John Beeline, the Stu Douglas, Zach Novak uh, <laughs> team, you know? Well, no, see, the, the first year we were scrapping. We always stayed in. Second year, we got a little overconfident. So maybe this team doesn't really seem like that. They don't, they're not the type of team that seems like super overconfident or they could get like that. I think it was just one of those dry spells and – Again, you know, we've talked about it. I've talked about it on the podcast and with you guys, and it's like they've had the Ohio State game, I think even in the Wisconsin game when they've come back from the break, and like they've had to have one guy kind of step up and save them for like a first-half dry spell, and they just had a dry spell the entire game. And, then you know, that happens. They're they're allowed to have that. Like we keep – college basketball, college sports is all about dissecting each game as it happens, and it's like, eh, you know. These are college kids. This is going to happen. So what yeah, I mean, What was it about this this game and this matchup? Was it just, um, you know, Illinois kind of took advantage of some of the questions we have about the point guard play? Was it just something where maybe Michigan came into this thing? Oh, they don't have Iowa Sumo. There's no way that they're going to be able to win this game. Was it just uh, one of those nights? Like, what, what, what do you think happened? I think Illinois came out and they kept energy for 40 minutes. And Michigan – just got a little uncomfortable and then they got tight and then they were kind of looking at each other. And then Franz, you know, guys didn't just just didn't really show up and that's fine. Like it's no super knock on them, but just didn't really show up. They got tight and then got nervous. And then they kind of do that thing where, you know, this is an equal opportunity offense. And it's a, it's an offense where everybody's got to flow for one person to flow. And they were just kind of looking at each other and then nobody was really stepping up. I mean, you know, Austin Davis was the most efficient player out there and he was scoring on Coburn like it was nothing. And it, you know, if that's going on, that's going to be a rough night for everybody. So they kind of give a flow of things. And you've seen that with this Michigan team where it's like, all right, we're kind of struggling, but we're going to hit that, that moment where we make a run. Like, you know, they always say the cliche is basketball is a game of runs and just Michigan just didn't hit it. I think this is great for him. I honestly, I do. I, I don't, like now you get pounded and embarrassed by a team without the, the one of the national player of the year candidates. And now, you know what? Juwan's got their attention now. He's got their attention. They were able to kind of – listen, they, they've obviously played great basketball, but I think um, were they as good as what people were saying? And I think – I don't, I don't want to say they've started to kind of – you know, believe their clippings because they have had one hell of a year, but they're not that good. They're not that good that they can start to, to, to not put their foot on the gas and be able to just beat teams. Like you said, individually, they got to move the basketball and they didn't move the basketball tonight. And and they also weren't the tougher team. Like Illinois kind of punked them a little bit. Oh, the entire time. It was like every possession and, They, and I think they just dared, uh, what's his name, Curbelo and Frazier, like they, Miller, like they dared him. I think Illinois had nine assists on 30 made baskets. They just dared those guys to drive and make plays, and they did. And then there was no adjustments. 
So that 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 was a little strange. Is they didn't really try and fix anything with that, and maybe they thought they were just going to get tired. Um, who knows? But yeah, they you're right. They Howard can go into that film session and and get their attention real yeah. quick. I know Beeline always loved. He said it was always easier to. It was always very difficult to win, or, or sorry, to learn after wins. So like you know, there's always a appreciation for a loss like this. Well, do you think that there's there's always this narrative, right, that sometimes teams need a loss before they go into March, and sometimes uh, you got to get your ass kicked to be able to get woken up or whatever it is. Like, do you believe that? Do you buy that? Not always. I mean, there is a certain there's a certain truth to it. I mean, I know my team, my senior year, like when we won a share of the Big Ten title, you know, we we were gassed out, and then the, the Big Ten tournament played horrible. We lost in the first round to Ohio, got upset. So like mentally that can happen with certain teams, but like this team knows that they're a national championship contender. So it's a little different. Like it's not like a team on a hot streak where you don't know what's going on. Like, you know exactly what this team is about and what they're capable of. So that's a little different. I don't think they exactly need it, but I don't see anything but positives coming from this. So that's at least a plus. So what it matters to if, you think if Juwan had kept Hunter in with three fouls, would it have mattered, or or would he have picked up his fourth? And it, it, it they were, could they have made a run? Could they have made it interesting potentially? I don't think so. I think at this point now we realize that you know a guy like Franz needs to play more of a part in the offense, and that Hunter is. I'm not saying teams have figured him out, but like he's come back down to reality a little bit. Like he's not going to be averaging 20 and 10 and that's fine. He's a, still a great player, but they're not going to be running the offense through him. Like Isaiah and Franz need to be the leaders on offense. And then Mike Smith, you know, pick it up as well. Um, you know, you can definitely run your offense through Hunter. He's definitely got the talent, but to say that he was needed to make a run and to, he was needed to be kept in with those three fouls. Like, nah, I'm not going to quite go there. One of the things that I thought that, one for nine, two points tonight for Franz. Yeah, like I just remember watching the game and just like, wait, where is Franz even in? Like, what's going on there? And that, that's just a – it's a stepping stone. It's another learning experience for him. He'll get there. One of the things I think Illinois did well was they kind of they, – they kept the ball on one side of the floor. And it felt a little bit like they were able to get Michigan out of the stuff that they were running. And you kind of touched on this earlier, but Michigan does feel like a team where they need to get their offense out of – or they need to get their points out of their offense, right? They need to scheme up uh, shots. They don't necessarily have as many great playmakers if you're going up against a team that can kind of take you out of what you want to do and match up with you one-on-one. And it felt like Illinois was like the first team to really kind of get to them that way. Yeah, it was odd. There was a couple of possessions where I think they were denying, you know, was a hunter or Austin have it out top mm-hmm. and, you know, past three-point line, and then they were denying the guards and then kind of – Guys are just looking at each other. I mean, they were throwing it down to Austin Davis. And, you know, Austin Davis has proven himself to be worthy in the post, honestly. Like, he's honestly been efficient all year. But he's not the guy you're going to go to and then just look at and say, you know, throw your hands up and go, all right, make a play, dude. I'm like, that's (laughs) not the thing that they're going to do. And and that was a couple possessions where they did exactly that. So they got flustered. They got thrown out. And then, you know, it's kind of like, well, who's going to – pick it up for us and just nobody did and I think that's where Isaiah and especially Franz uh, I mean Isaiah from like a mental leadership aspect and also you know talent wise but like Franz from a talent wise aspect uh, they, they both need to lead that sort of lead that team getting out of a rut like that and it just it just was not there you know what I think also will help you on is think about this. Think about how long he was in the NBA and how many of these type of games happen in the NBA. Every night there's one, right? Every night you look at it and you're like, how the hell did, like, Detroit beat the Celtics, you know, a week and a half ago or whatever? So, like, I think if there's somebody that's able to put this in perspective, figure out how to get these guys to learn from it, and not let it happen. Now, again, in the NCAA tournament, hopefully you're not going to let it happen, right? You're going to be up for every game. Uh, but ultimately, like, Juwan's gone through this 100 times. This is a thing that I think a lot of people don't really recognize. or It's not something they would recognize from a college fan standpoint. But, like, these coaches carry a lot of weight, and especially a guy like Juwan. And you can take an 18-19-year-old kid, and you can beat the confidence out of them 
super quick, super quick. And, you know, it doesn't matter if this team was undefeated and, like, guys were averaging 20. Like, you can get into a guy's head confidence-wise by telling him he sucks for one game. Like, it can be a problem. I don't foresee that. I'm just saying that, you know, there is definitely a, a balance there. And Juwan you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah you got to be careful with that stuff. And Juwan is a guy that knows that these things happen. So he can get in there, dissect it, look at it and say, like, all right, like, yeah, you guys sucked, and this isn't you. And you right. got to make sure you got to remind them, like, this is not who we are. You know, instead of, instead of like, trying to beat them in a submission to play better, like, that just doesn't work. Well, you never had that. I mean, you had a guy in Beeline that was smart enough, right? I mean, he never – I mean, did he, he did he beat you guys down really ever? It was different. I think it was different because he was building the culture where it was like he's beaten the bad habits out of guys. Right. He's, he's beating his – culture that he wants into guys like they were not all the guys that he wanted to recruit I mean to be honest with you you know six seven guys had to pass up on my scholarship to get there so it was like it was a little different for him in those film sessions I imagine you know it's just a little more relaxed especially when you have the type of talent that you have now and like the 2013 team for instance you know right after I left uh you know He's a little more chill in the, the the film sessions than he was in the first few years of my career. Well, with Petey, Petey and Manny, he, he he wasn't chill with those guys. <laughs> I didn't, didn't buy in right away. Really? I mean, they they were they were so talented, and they weren't they weren't Beeline's guys. So it's like a there's a mental thing there that like really it, nothing bad against either of them, but it's both it's from both sides. It's a mental thing that is hard to really dissect, honestly. All right, so we got to talk about Illinois here as well, and um, I think that but we've we've made this point quite a bit, Stu. That the best thing that could have happened to this Illinois team was that um, was that Io got hurt in retrospect, right? Like big picture, assuming he comes back and he's healthy, and like this um, this injury is not something that's going to be kind of career altering. Uh, the the chance to give Andre Corbello the reins and let him see what it's like to run a a college basketball team at this level. The the fact that you have to force Adam Miller to be someone to step up and take those shots. Um, I, I think that in the long run, this is going to be something that is good for them um, and and makes them, in my mind, more likely to be a team that can get to the Final Four and win a national title. Yeah, it's, where's that sweet spot? Where's that sweet spot for Curbelo? Like, he's not going to be running the game like he was. I mean, he was like a kid in a canyon store today. It was like a kid in a yeah. playground. He was like, this is why I signed up for basketball. And then when Io comes back, it's going to be – it could be a little bit of a rude awakening, but it does prove that they have the talent on the wing to compete. And they can defend against bigger teams with bigger wings. And then also I think you don't really need Coburn to be posting up and playing down low and like just let him set screens and be a big fella and, and do all that and that like the wings can take over. So it is it's funny how that works for, for both sides, but uh I think it's gonna be interesting. I mean Corbello is like it, he looks so happy out there. It was crazy. Well, because when when he when he committed, when he signed, he didn't think they'd have Io. Like it was going to be the Curbelo and Adam Miller and Trent Frazier. This was a team that we thought we were going to see this year. And uh, listen, nobody saw this come. Nobody saw this coming. Again, like Michigan's not this bad. Illinois is not quite this good. Obviously, without Io, but. What right. it does is it gives them confidence if Iowa gets into foul trouble um, in the tournament. They know they can win. Uh, now, again, I think the matchup was was good in a way for them as far as the bigs, right? I mean, that's the one thing Rob and I have they, talked about. They flipped not- it on its head, right? Like, so yeah. the whole thing I was concerned about was, like, how is Illinois going to deal with the size that Michigan has on the wings? Like, Michigan, oh, they, they can play Shondi at the two. They can play Franz at the three and Isaiah at the four. And, and Illinois' best lineup – Basically has four guys that are small, six four and smaller, with two point guards that are like five foot eight on a good day. Did and you guys see Franz get in the paint? Like I don't remember him getting like really in the paint and just in that one play he got in and then he faded away. Yeah, you know they kind of he couldn't really deal with it. I mean, those are the types of matchups where you got to look across the way and you're like, this dude's six three. Like I am eating today. Like this is going to be cake. And even if you go one for 15, like that's the mentality you got to keep. And again, I don't, I don't want to talk too much crap about fronts. Like this is a learning experience and he'll, again, he'll get in film and John will be like, dude, that dude is six, three, like just go get the ball and go. Same with Isaiah. Like it, it's going to be ultimately good for them. 
Yeah, this again. I, I think this was one of those games for Michigan. I, I, obviously, they're eighteen and two. They're eighteen and two. Like if you had told anybody they'd be eighteen and two right now, you would have signed up in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, again, now you've got the four number one seeds. To me, pretty much solidified. It's going to be hard for me to imagine anything changing at this juncture with Gonzaga, with Baylor winning tonight. I mean, that was a huge win for Baylor. Yeah, we got to talk, about, we talk about that a little bit too. Um, what, who does yeah. Illinois have left? Do you know? I'm bringing up their schedule right now. Actually, Illinois has. I think they have two games left. No, they have one. They're at Ohio State on uh, on Saturday. And Try even it. if they lose that game, I think that they're probably still a little bit above. Yeah, they'd have to lose that one and probably lose their they first. Have most, game they have the most quad one wins in all of college basketball. The right. most quad one wins. And no, now they're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw I, honestly. I don't see much of a scenario where somebody else can steal a number one seed. I mean, maybe something crazy happens, but for the most part, even if Ohio State beats Illinois, I think the only way is if Ohio State beats Illinois and wins the Big Ten tournament. That'd probably be it, you know, yeah. or, or Iowa. I don't even think Iowa can do it. I don't think they can overtake uh, either Illinois I think, or I think Ohio State can. If Ohio State goes on a run and wins the Big Ten tournament, then Ohio State's yeah. going to be able to see it. Right. They uh, got to beat Illinois and win the Big Ten tournament, and then they're a number one seed, probably, or, or right there. Yeah. But right now, I think that it's it's very clear that it's Illinois is, is the uh, yeah. the fourth number one. You got to give them all the credit in the world, man. That was a hell of a performance. The, the craziest part about it is they played four games in eight days. Right. Three right. of those games are on the road. And they're no, doing what he did without Iowa. Like it's it's, yeah. it's it's really really impressive what they what they've been able to do without him. And and I don't think that you know we're, we talked a lot about uh, Michigan on this this um, this stream so oh, far as we got Stu on because we, we got, got Stu Douglas who play, for people that don't know he played at Michigan. I know he looks like a deer hunter right now, but he, God, played, yeah. <laughs> played at, he played at Michigan. But uh, I mean that was that was very 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 impressive from uh, from Illinois. All right, Stu, how much of the Baylor game did you watch? I watched a little bit at the end. I saw. Some at the end, and then the got the point guard just take it to the body and force OT. That so, was pretty so the truth is, what you you went to go turn on ESPN to watch the Michigan game, and the Baylor game ran over. So you ended up watching. Yeah, yeah. hey Rob, I was making chili before that. Okay, I was Ooh. prepping chili. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, talk, talk me through. What do you got? How do you make your chili? Oh, we had a beef chili with uh, red kidney beans, and then the uh, the key is a nice combo of Worcestershire sauce, uh, white vinegar, and uh, Corona. Corona. You know what I do? What I do? I, I like uh, the beer is a good call. I do the beer as well. But then I take a packet of taco seasoning and I put the taco seasoning in the chili, stir that all up. It gives it a little bit of kick, a little bit of flavor. Makes that it a little bit. You know, yeah, I had my fa- I did my own little taco seasoning. I had my own little fair share of seasonings. But, yeah, I like the taco seasoning kick. That's good. See, my, my big problem when it comes to chili is that my wife doesn't eat red meat. So I got to make like turkey chili. And it's like when it's oh, when it's turkey or make a bean chili, chili, what's the point? That's yeah, it's just not as it's nowhere near the same. So it's very, yeah. you know, got to make some sacrifices when you get married, Stu. It's 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 rough. I can't have beef in my chili. <laughs> yeah. You can make your own separate chili, I guess. Two pots. Yeah, yeah there you go. Exactly. Um, all right, Baylor, West Virginia, Goodman, huge win. Did you see this one coming? Probably, like I think it's fair to say, best game of the college basketball season to date. Most entertaining. Most entertaining. I'm not sure it was like the best in terms of well played, but it was definitely the most entertaining, and especially when you had Baylor, um, just kind of the the, the storyline of them coming back, struggling against Ohio, uh, Iowa State, losing to Kansas, uh, and if they had lost this one tonight, and, and it looked like they were in major trouble, um, who knows what what could have happened to their psyche? And Stu, you could talk to that a little bit. Like you talk about a team that just got it going, that has this long pause. They're out for three weeks. They come back. They practice twice. Now, eight guys, this is something that I've reported here, eight players on Baylor got COVID in this last run. That's a lot. So, eight guys. So, you have the break. You have this 19-day this break where they didn't practice, plus eight guys are coming back from COVID, and everybody reacts differently. Yeah. So, you know, like Kansas fans are, are killing me when I say, like, that is not Baylor. The other night, it, you know, they were like five days removed from coming back. Now, they're still not Baylor tonight. Like, I, I still didn't think they were like the Baylor team that we have seen, but they are getting closer and closer, and they needed this win for their psyche as much as anything else. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's momentum both ways. It happens to everybody. Everyone is susceptible to it, especially mm-hmm. 18 to 22 year old kids right. where it's like you get on that stage, you get to the top. And when you, and especially when you reach success where you're like, all right, we got to the top. And then how do you maintain that success? Like that's what makes teams special. And that is why, you know, that's why Gonzaga gets number one seeds and then they lose. Like it is not easy. It is yeah. not easy to maintain success. So it is good that they got this win uh, on the COVID point. Like I've heard a lot of players where, you know, everything seems normal and it's like legs are dead for a month. And what are they going to complain? Like they're taught not to complain just to keep going. So it could affect them for a long time, especially eight guys. Like there's got to be at least one or two that are going to have lingering effects some way or another. So it's going to be. Yeah. Just energy, you know, like, yeah. and again, you're losing your time and you're not able to practice and you're coming back from this. so it's it's the combo the the other part of it is that when you're when you're trapped in like a dorm room or a hotel room and you got to quarantine you got to do whatever like if you're if you're feeling well and you're you're at least healthy then you could do things like just do 500 burpees and at least then you're going to like keep some kind of like right. fitness some kind of win and some kind of leg strength if you have covid and you're just knocked out for even if it's like 3 or 4 days that could really change the way that like the, the your health and I, I still I you've played a higher level of sports than either of us like is that my am I right in saying that? Like, yeah, definitely. I mean, anything helps. Again, they are like eighteen and twenty year old kids, so like my warm up back then was just you know the first <laughs> game of open gym, and now it's like hold on, guys, twenty minutes of all this routine, and so it's it's obviously obviously very different uh, for them. But like the thing with COVID is like you maybe not even get sick and you feel fine and like you work out and then it hits you where you're like, your legs are dead, your lungs are dead. So it's a very, it's a strange thing to maneuver where we're probably not even going to get the truth about how these guys feel. Yeah. Goodman, the one thing I would have pushed back on you on though, is that you said that you don't think this was the real Baylor. I, I thought it was. They might not be all the way back, but that was, that was the Baylor right there. That was them digging deep and making the plays at the end of the game that they needed to make. Yeah. West Virginia has a lot of dudes that can score. West Virginia is very difficult to match up with, with the four guys that have shooting. They had Sean McNeil going. They had Miles McBride going. They had Taj Sherman going, right? When those three guys are going, like they are very tough to guard, especially when they got the big fella inside that's eating everybody up. So um, the fact that they were um, they were on the road against a team like this, in overtime, coming back down the stretch to me, just like that, that tells you everything you know need to know about this group. Maybe they're not uh, back to one hundred percent yet, but that that's what I you mean, need. Like 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 uh, uh, everyday John isn't back. He's not back. He's not playing the minutes. He was the last one to come back, right? So like he's definitely not back. I, I thought Matthew Meyer saved him tonight to some degree. I mean, some of the moves he, he made. I mean, he, he listen. I tweeted like. He his upside is ridiculous. It is. It's now the hair. The hair's got to go. Like he he's, he's got to get rid of that mop top or whatever it is. But um, yeah. it's bad still. No, it's great. You jealous? You jealous? I love every part of it. Oh yeah, it's like like buzz on the side a little bit. Like it's it's perfectly manicured. <laughs> he he really does look like a guy that should be sitting in front of uh, deer antlers when he's on a live stream talking about that. Oh, he, he definitely does. Probably got like seven on his wall. Yeah, he's so funny, man. Like I, I I talked to him last week for a while, and and uh, the big thing of him is like like he'll lose his phone a million times. Like he he's like the most like like immature in in a different way, right? Like his car's a disaster. Like my seventeen year old daughter, like the same yeah, thing. Did you hear his story about how he put on the weight this summer? Uh-uh. <laughs> he, yeah. he ate fast food three times a day. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. said he wanted to put on 25 pounds, so he ate like Whataburger three times a day. And he came back to campus, and his body fat percentage was like 18%. And so he, had to, so he put on the weight, but then he had to turn all the weight into muscle. He said it was pretty awful trying to get like himself not looking like a fat slob. But I'll tell you what, someone with that hair, I'm not surprised that the way they put on weight was to eat fast food Three times. I think Matthew Hurt. Matthew Hurt might have a different uniform on right now, Rob. For Duke, and he shaved. I don't know. Looks like what? him. 
I wouldn't know. I don't. I don't get the ACC network, so I can't watch yeah. Duke anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Joey Baker. It was Joey Baker. I'm like, I, I got it further back here, so I can't really see it. It's on my other laptop. Tie game, a minute 32 left. Duke Georgia Tech, the biggest game uh, of Josh Pastner's career right now. It's a lot riding on it. A lot riding. Can you get in the tournament? The face shield. Have you seen the face shield, Stu? No. No, you haven't seen Josh Pastner in the face shield. You need oh, to see. Uh, does he match with it too? Full, full face shield, like full, like he's like like he's a welder, right? I, I mean, like he's a full fledged welder. It's it's pretty cool. So, so um, Mike Rutherford, the guy that runs Card Chronicle, he used to write for SB Nation. His big thing this year has been saying that he hopes Georgia Tech has an unbelievable season, so that Josh Pastner like starts thinking that this is lucky, like it's Rip Hamilton, and so that he ends up just wearing the face shield. For the rest of his coaching career, just because he thinks it's unlucky. Or even better, he wears it out. He just wears it everywhere. Like yeah. everyone we don't have to wear masks. He wears yeah. it everywhere. In 17 years, Josh Pastor is going to be coaching some uh, like high point, wearing the mask on the sideline. Hey, it brings me luck. I lost three jobs, but yeah, it's still lucky. <laughs> we got Michigan State in a tight one with Indiana. Like two really big, big games. Coming down the stretch here, and Georgia Tech with the air ball. A minute left. Duke, Georgia Tech. Oh. Where is mine? Huh? Where's your what? I'm looking for the remote. I, my, my TVs are right over there, but I turned them off. Um, Stu, what else you got going on? Not much. Not nice. much at all. Basketball training. Talking Michigan basketball. Going back to Israel. That's that's about all I got in life right now. It's basketball, basketball, basketball. You just gotta you gotta stay in shape. You gotta stay in shape. You can't get over to Israel and and, and not be ready. No, staying in shape at thirty is very different. It is quite bizarre hey, to say the least. I miss thirty. I miss staying in shape at thirty. I gotta tell you, thirty was easy. We you know what's funny you. is you get you're like twenty four, and you're like, all right, something's hurting my knee like a little bit, but it'll be fine. I'll work through it. And really what it is, is an imbalance in your body. Okay. And then you get to 30 and you're like, wow, I should have worked on that uh, that imbalance back when I was 24. And now I can't even, can't even <laughs> jump properly. So it's like, ah, take it for granted. So, Stu, you were in the Israeli league last year, right? Yeah. Did you, did you play against Denny? I did. Talk to me about what he was like over there. Did you see this coming from him? Did you expect him to be uh, good the first time you saw him play? Like, What, what was your take on him? No, so I saw Denny, and I saw Denny dominate. I watched a lot of highlights of him playing his age group and, uh, like, European showcases. And I watched the same thing with uh, Dragon Bender, who was a washout. So I was like, ah, you know, it's hard to tell what these kids do. Denny was, though, 6'8", and could pass and really run the court with the ball in his hand. But I didn't think his handle was good enough. Um, And to be honest, like, up until COVID hit, he was not super great. Like he shot okay, free throw shooting was bad, and then after COVID, they like just Maccabi Tel Aviv was the best team in Israel. Like you know, European legendary team. They just kind of gave him the ball, and they're like, "All right, go for it, dude! Like go get drafted high." And he just started hitting threes. He's super confident. I think he's he- really confident. So he just kind of plays mindless, I think. And that really helps him. I've heard he's actually pretty stupid. So I think that helps him, uh, <laughs> help him play a lot easier and more free, which I've always been jealous of. So just like, uh, just like, I, Novak. I, <laughs> I watched, uh, I watched probably 20 of his games during quarantine just to, I mean, why not? It was the only basketball that was on. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't realize until I turned it on, like just how good Scotty Wilbekin is over there. Oh, Scotty is that dude is a star. he's the best player on that team. Then he got oh, drafted. Yeah. He was a player. He I mean he was a top five. Oh no, top five European player, easy. easy. Oh my god, what the hell? Georgia what Tech, took a terrible shot, terrible shot. Was it Alvarado from deep, deep three? Shot clock was running down, but like they had to get something better than that. It was like a thirty footer. Now they're yelling at each other. This is, this, this is why this is why people tune into the stream is to hear your play by play of of watching a Duke game on a channel that nobody gets. Uh, well, <laughs> nobody I, get, can watch. I stole ACC Network. 
What you should do is you should turn the camera around and put it on the TV so we can actually see it. Probably should. That's true. I'm also <laughs> Indiana down two to Michigan State with three minutes left. Oh, okay, yeah. I have a question. Baylor, West Virginia. Is West Virginia a two seed? Probably two, three. Two or three. Yeah, like I think they can, they can make their way back into a two. They're probably, you know, there's just so little difference right now between most of these teams. So I, I think as of today, yeah, they're probably what would you say they are up? They're two or three. I, I mean, they're they're kind of right there in that range. Um, yeah. I don't think that they can get to a one seed. Uh, I no, do think that no they chance. can that they they can be a two seed. Like I, it's all going to depend on like how do they do in the Big Twelve tournament? Do they win their last game um, right. on the stretch here? Like what does Iowa do in the Big Ten tournament? Does Alabama end up winning the SEC tournament title? What does Ohio State do on Saturday against Illinois? Like, there's there's teams that can make up the the ground on them, but if you think about it, like outside of the top eight, these are the teams that we're talking about that, that would be able to play their way up past West Virginia. And tell me if you think any of these teams are going to end up with a profile good enough to do it: Houston, Villanova, Florida State, Kansas, Arkansas, Texas, Creighton, Virginia. So, like, it gets I mean, kind a of yeah, like if Florida State wins the ACC tournament, they could. And 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 West Virginia, you know, like they're not going to add a good win if they, if they win the ACC tournament, they're going to add. They're not going to have a bad loss potentially. So I, I guess. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you're right. It's just I was about to say add North Carolina since that that's not a good loss. You can't lose a tournament team or a non-tournament Duke's team. Going to, Duke's, going to overtime. Duke's going to overtime. Uh, uh, another question. Illinois. And Michigan is now. Let's say it ends up they both went out, you know, pretty even Big Ten championship run and the tournament, Big Ten tournament championship. Uh, you know, they both don't win, but maybe losing the semifinal or something. Does Illinois get a number one seed and they get the Midwest? Like, do they get it over Michigan? Like, who gets the Midwest? There's no Midwest. Yeah, it's not going to matter this year. Remember, they're all in, everybody's in the Midwest. Why am I so stupid? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, again, it's that, it's that When you call Denny stupid, then it comes back to you. I don't. I don't. But the the to answer your question, I don't think that they can they can make their way above Michigan because Michigan, like, so they were entering tonight. There were three teams that had eight uh, quad one wins. One of them was Illinois. One of them was Oklahoma State, and the other one was Michigan. So, mm-hmm. like, they're number two in the net. Like, they, they're eighteen and two. Um, they have like those two horrible losses, but you know it's not like Illinois um, has been like unblemished so far this season. So I don't think that they can. I, I think that Michigan can almost lose out, and they might be able to still be above Illinois, depending on the way that things play out. Like that's, I think they're they're pretty far ahead. Am I wrong, Jeff? What do you think? No, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, but you know, so many fans will look at this one game, and and, and that's the problem, right? Well, they they. They killed them. They killed them without Io. So they should be in front of them because it doesn't matter. It's like the Doster theory of, of like, at, at the end of November. Any game that happened at the end of November, Stu, doesn't count. That's not – doesn't count. It, it was never played. Like, it doesn't matter at all. November, early December, the game – there's, there's two different things. There's two different – so, Stu, this is, this is a long-running argument that Jeff and I, Jeff and I have had. And um, are you are you into advanced analytics at all? Like, do you understand what like efficiency margin is? Do you understand what Kempom is? Like that kind of stuff. Because explaining it to Jeff is like probably explaining uh, to you how there's no um, regions in the NCAA tournament this year. <laughs> okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but so my my take has always been that when you when you're doing rankings, like if you're ranking a top twenty five for the AP poll, you, you're putting that together. Then if somebody lost on like the 3rd of November in the first game of the season, a really bad loss. But then they end up like reeling off like eight straight great wins in February. And it's the first week of March and you're ranking that team. It's okay to say, well, that was a weird loss in November, but this team right now is kicking everybody's ass. And they're one of the top 15 teams in America. You can rank them there. Even if they have a bad loss, that loss doesn't matter. It should come into effect when you see them. Or It doesn't matter when it comes to ranking, when you're talking about the best team in America in a snapshot. Here's what Doster would do. Here's what Doster would do. If Kentucky 
started the season like 0 and 7, which they almost it was close to that, right? They're no, 0 and 7. No, this is not. But then this, they, this is not actually accurate. This is just not. True. Then they win their. Hey, Stu. Then they win their next seven. Dosser would just pretend that the first seven never happened, and he'd have them in the top five. <laughs> Something tells me we're a little off on both sides, but okay. <laughs> that's just like that's just not. There's just no truth to that. <laughs> why? Why don't we look at wins more? Like, why are bad losses always so bad? Like, isn't the NCAA tournament about just beating the best teams once? Like, wh- why are we always focusing so much on bad losses? Like, I, I know there's a difference. Like, if you take these two teams, you want to compare them, and their resume is so tight. But it's like sometimes, you know, like a team is knocked down like a couple seats because of some bad losses, and it's a little bizarre at times. It depends on how bad the losses are and um, how many of them that they have. Like if you have one blip because a guy was hurt, like it, it shouldn't shouldn't cost. It should be a tiebreaker. It shouldn't cost you all that much. But if you have like three bad losses on your resume, a couple of them at home to teams that you shouldn't lose to, then it sh- I think it should drop you. You know, I think that the overall body of work is what should determine where you are. Now, if you are if you've proven that you can beat top five teams and like that's who you want to pick when you when you fill out your bracket. You know, but I, I think that the, the, the losses have to get taken into effect um, or taken into account. Goodman, we haven't gotten a, a Duke update from you in a while. What's going on over there? It is uh, Georgia Tech 70, Duke 66. Ooh, it's not Real good. Left in overtime. The face yeah. shield, the fighting face shields are, are winning. Man, Stu, this is just not going to be a good night for you, man. Like Michigan State looks like they're going to end up beating Indiana. Michigan gets their ass kicked by Illinois. I mean, yeah, I've had a good enough year. Listen, I just wanted Archie Miller to do so well. I wanted, I just, I wanted Cream gone, and I wanted the next guy in to do so well. And nothing's going right for me in college basketball. I don't understand. <laughs> Tonight, Tonight. You've had a pretty good year. You've had a pretty good year as a Michigan Wolverine guy. It's been a pretty that's, solid. That's, year. that's a good question to ask you. So you you grew up in Indiana. Did you grow up an Indiana fan? No, I hated Indiana because I hated Bob Knight. Really? Yeah. I hated Bob Knight because he just represented everything that I didn't like about coaching and about uh, people in positions of power and abusing it. And then, like, also I'm a bit of a contrarian. So, like, my whole entire town that I grew up in loved IU and they loved Bob Knight. And, like, yeah. and I was like, no, screw that. I don't want to do the same thing you guys do. So that was a bit of it. And then also the other part was that I loved UNC and Michael Jordan. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Bob Knight was the one coach that I've been scared to ask a question to in a press conference. No other coach ever, ever. He's the only dude that I remember. I covered him a couple times at Texas Tech uh, when he broke the record. And, uh, yeah, I was scared. I was scared to ask a question because you just knew, like, he was going to bite your head off. And, like, you just didn't, you didn't want to be embarrassed in front of everybody, no matter what you, no matter what question you ask, it could have been a great question. It oh, didn't yeah. matter. It didn't matter. However, I don't think I've ever told you this Goodman. Um, when I was first like getting into the business, probably in like 2012 or 2013, back when, when Bob Knight was still doing the, uh, the TV stuff, oh, yeah. um, he yeah. did a game, at Georgetown, then I was living in DC, and Georgetown, like that was like the only place that I could get credentials to. So um, I go to the game, and I remember the the advice that I got from people was shake everybody's hand, introduce yourself to everybody, try to get to know everybody, learn who the people are in the business where you want to be in their role. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go shake everybody's hand. So uh, Bob Knight was sitting there, and it was like an hour before the game. So I walk over and I tap him on the shoulder. I'm like Coach Knight, and I put my hand out to go shake his hand. And like, didn't nothing, didn't even acknowledge me. Did it was like I was tapping on the table and he couldn't hear me. So I do it again. I was like, Coach Knight, and I just sat there with my hand out for like three seconds. I was like, Oh, guess this isn't happening. So I had to walk away with an entire section of fans behind me laughing at me as I tried to. All right, I, I did, uh, that was bad. We ate at Carnegie <laughs> Deli with him once late at night. It was like me, Gary Parish, maybe Billis was there. There were like four or five of us, and I had never really – I mean, he didn't know who the hell I was. And we were sitting directly across from each other, okay? So I'm looking at Bob Knight the entire meal, and uh, he never acknowledged – like, it was like I was a ghost. He, he, didn't, he didn't say anything. I tried to talk to him once or twice, 
didn't look like look right through me the whole night. I mean, he really kind of was. I mean, yeah, he was an asshole. He was an asshole. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's so funny to think about how praised he was, and then, but then now it's like, well, that wins basketball games, and I'm like, who gets? Who cares? It's college basketball. Basketball, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing some of the coaches out there still. I mean, there's still a bunch of coaches that are that are not maybe not doing stuff like Bob Knight or, you know, even Greg yeah. Marshall punching dudes, but the verbal abuse that still goes on. And most coaches now, so many of them do, when they record practice, they do it without sound now. Yeah. I mean, I understand the climate, but it is amazing the it's a culture set up for a head coach to abuse the underlings. And like, it's always been set up that way. And like, I've seen, you know, one of my favorite things was uh, when, when player, when coaches were abusing the, um, the transfer block where they could block guys from transferring. And then other coaches were coming in support of other coaches when it was blatantly unethical. And it was like, why are we asking coaches opinions on things that'll benefit them? Like, you can't ask these guys these things, and but they're always like the arbiter of morality in, in college basketball. It's like you can't go to the guy with the most power. Like that makes no sense. Your boy Beeline got pissed at me for the Evan Smotrich deal. Do you remember? Oh, he, well, Beeline was he very blocked Beeline yeah. blocked Evan from transferring anywhere. That, that any team that was on their non-conference schedule for like two years, I think. Yeah, he did that for a while. Yeah, yeah. And, and I called him up for it. I said that's complete bullshit. So, so Beeline, he 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 found out about that. And the other thing, this is a great story. I don't know if I ever told you this. So, uh, Trey Burke, after his freshman year, uh, I I tweeted out or wrote, I probably wrote a story then. There was no Twitter. Well, maybe there was, but I said, uh, he's leaving. He's leaving school after his freshman year. He's going pro. And I got it from Trey Burke. Like he was the one who told me, but I didn't, I said, I got it from sources. I wasn't right. putting Trey under the bus. He had cleaned out his room. He had gone home gone. and Beeline and his dad talked him into rightfully so coming back for, for a sophomore year. He, he should have come back and it obviously worked out for him. Well, so, um, I put that out there and obviously I was wrong. So I was wrong about that. And then Beeline was not happy with my Evan Smotrich stuff too. So we actually had a talk. He called me and, and, and we had kind of, you know, like talking to your grandfather, like, you yeah. know, I felt like I was getting scolded, right? Yeah. Like I was, I was getting scolded. And I said, I said, John, like, I get it. We explained at first I started with the, the Smotrich thing. I was like, I just don't believe in that. Like, I feel like if you don't want him to play in the league, that's one thing, but he shouldn't – like, you shouldn't ban him from playing anybody on your schedule in the non-conference for two years. That's insane. And then we talked about the Trey Burke thing, and I literally said to him, I said, John, honestly, you should be thanking me because when I put it out there, everybody, every Michigan fan, everybody killed Trey. They're like, what are you doing, you idiot? How could you leave after your freshman year? This is so dumb. And I do think – I'm not saying I played a huge part in it, but I think I think the backlash also, in addition, obviously, Beeline and his dad played a much bigger part. But I do think the public scrutiny played a little bit of a part in it. Yeah. Do you dad, see how he did that? Too? Do you see how he did that? Well, yeah, yeah. I don't want to take all the credit, but no, I, I did it. It was me. It was me. I'm, I'm the hero. I'm the guy that swooped in and saved Trey Burke's career. I should get three percent of his career earnings in the NBA now. I think I'm his agent now. Yeah, exactly. No. It was- Funny story, I walked in, this is, you know, after I lost my senior year and I'm just in the office and, you know, farting around and I walk into Bakari Alexander's office and he's like hard at work, like looking at his computer, doing some writing, printing out papers. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I'm just trying to have a fun conversation with him. He's like, it's a full list of guys that are basically profiles of Trey's exact, like, stats height weight where they got drafted like the lack lack of success that they had after their freshman year like all similar profiles of trey and like just trying to anything they could do to convince him to come back and it worked but it was like part of their job saving their job and like elevating their careers was i mean imagine just you're asking a 19 year old kid to to stay in college like it's just 
things least, you never picture yourself doing when you're like, at yeah, least that was better than than when Rick Barnes tried to convince Kevin Durant to come back for his sophomore year. <laughs> oh God, why would you ever try to do that? He tried, not for long, but like he actually had a conversation where he tried. I mean, I guess I, I respect think, it. I think the assistants at Texas were like, "Hey, coach, like, just yeah, enough, enough man. Like, this ain't gonna make us look good." No, it, yeah, that's the other thing. Let him him off. Yeah, let him go. Let him go. All right. Um, Duke is down five with a minute 15, and I'm watching Robbie Hummel on the Big Ten Network. Did he just call that game? Yeah, Michigan State won. Aaron Henry, 22 points, eight boards, five assists. Big win. Hey, Bad Never day for Stu. Rough day for Stu. Yeah, I am not pleased. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am kind of glad to see Aaron Henry win, and I kind of like Josh Langford in the turnaround. Like, it's kind of fun to like see them win a little more, but. Langford's awesome. Langford's were one you, of them. Were you and Josh in the same high school class? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that one kid, uh, Perry Ellis from Kansas. We yeah, all yeah, knew Pretty much. Pretty much. Did you oh, see Mitch Eichmann's coming back for another year at Kansas? Six is years. He yeah, he's, he announced it. On his senior yeah. night, he's coming back. It's all, I love it. Let's crazy. keep let's keep them there. Let, let's see I how many swear. years we can keep Mitch Lightfoot there without people realizing that Mitch Lightfoot is supposed to be gone. This is gonna be year six for him. I watched Lightfoot. I watched Lightfoot AAU the same year I saw uh Markel Fultz for the first time in AAU. I remember seeing Lightfoot. They played they might have played against each other that time. It was like down in Atlanta or something. By the way, hey Doster, we're gonna we're gonna bring on uh, Eric Bossy, a, a recruiting guy, uh, Stu, uh, I told a story about Reggie Rose uh, yesterday and uh, and how Derek Rose's older brother, how we kind of went at it. Um, there was a, a part of the story I complete, it, which was by far the best part. I'm not going to tell it now, I don't think. I, Bossy will probably do it better justice of telling the whole story. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, but incredible story, incredible story in which I, I feared for my life when I went back out to the parking lot, Stu. It was in Vegas, and I'm not kidding. I feared for my life. What did you do? <laughs> well, fine. I, I'll, I'll sort of tell it, but I, I really right. will tell it much better. But basically, so his team, he was coaching an AU team, and Derek was already in the NBA at this point, and they were down like 30 points to a team from Canada. And Bossy reminds me, like, Andrew Wiggins was, like, a rising ninth grader on that team. I didn't even remember that. Honestly, I had no idea. But they're down by 30, and they had a shit a call go against them, or probably not even go against them, but he was just pissed off at a call. So Reggie Rose basically took his guys off the court, and they quit. They quit the game. Quit the game. So I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. So now it's coming back to me because Bossy texted me this, this morning, and he goes, he goes, what really? Because I I, call, I basically said it's Bush League to Reggie that you you take your team off the court because you got a chance to give some other guys an opportunity to be seen at the end of the bench and maybe get a scholarship, whatever. What what I forgot was I also asked them uh, who took his brother's SAT. Oh yes, yes. Ballsy yes. <laughs> Jeff. I forgot that. How can I forget yeah. that? I have no idea. But, yeah, so we were kind of nose to nose. And, uh, we'll, we'll, again, we'll bring on Eric. He'll tell it way better than me. You, de- you, I, deserve, you deserve to get your ass kicked on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you deserve to get yeah. your ass kicked for that one. You yeah. left that part out of the story. I love, I love that one. There. I appreciate I mean, that. That's, like, that's confidence, Jeff. No, that's stupidity. Yeah, well, that is stupidity, is what that is. So we we can end the stream on this because I I think it's it's hilarious. Um, we were talking about how old people are, right? Mark Vital, mm. uh, his birthday is November seventh, nineteen ninety six. Devin Booker, his birthday is October thirtieth, nineteen ninety six. Mark Vital is seven days younger than Devin Booker. Mark Vital committed to Baylor eight years ago. I, I told him that when I talked to him. He's like, <laughs> eight years ago, he committed to Baylor. Eight years ago. Crazy. I got a better one for you. Demetric Trice was born May 2nd, 1996. He's three wow. months older than Devin Booker. <laughs> Devin, Booker's, Devin Booker's been in the NBA since 2015. Demetric Trice I is think, three months older than him. That's I think amazing. every guy 
every guy on BYU roster is older than Devin Booker. Do you hey. think? Do you think that uh, Wisconsin's entire roster is going to come back next year and take advantage of the <laughs> year of eligibility? Will they be any better? They would be the team to do it. Will it matter? I mean, right. well, are they are they winning tonight? The face they're, shields they're are winning. up six with sixteen seconds left, and they have the Mike. ball. Ed, oh, what a dumb pass! What the hell is he doing? What is going on? Duke for three he hits it. Oh my god, the fighting face shields. What are they doing? It's not tied. They're still up three. You still got the cover. Don't I, I know. Man, they had – oh, and a steal. Duke got the ball to three. Wendell Moore. Oh, he misses. Duke, though, got fouled. Fouled. Should have been a radio, Jeff. They had a chance to tie it. Georgia Tech was up six with the ball with, what I say, 17 seconds left? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. my God. All right, I think I think I think that's that's the sign that we need to end the stream. Still, I hope you I hope you I hope you enjoy your beef chili. <laughs> oh, oh, always, yeah, little little cheese, little diced shallot on there. Yeah, it's good to go. You go, are you a sour cream and chili guy? I did it today, and it was good. It kind of it kind of varies. I'm getting more into the sour cream. Yeah, I, I go with the I go with the sharp cheddar. I don't do the sour cream. I think it, it like thickens it up a All little right. bit. I'd rather just throw some, some extra cheese in there, you know? Combo. I did I did sharp cheddar and sour cream. I mean, I was doing best of both worlds. Interesting, interesting. With seconds left. 2.6 seconds left. They're going to miss the free throw. Give there me give me your best radio call of this. All right. Was it Williams? I, I can't really see that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> terrible free throw. He just threw it off the, the backboard like it was one of those bonehead plays. He missed everything. <laughs> just hit, oh, man. The face shield screwed up. Now, this is brutal. Just some this great execution on the stretch, huh? Bye-bye, Duke. Hey, bye bye Duke. took off his face shield. He took it off. 2.6 left. He just he got rid of the face shield. I, I Googled Josh Pastner face shield, and the first yeah. thing that came up was he slammed it and got a tech in one game, and I was like, all right. <laughs> and they got foul, 1.8 left. Goodman. Uh, if Indiana misses the NCAA tournament and they finish with a losing record, give me odds right now on Archie Miller keeping his job. Odds. I think it's what just... number what number would you need to bet on Archie Miller keeping his job? Uh I'd probably need like three to two. Better making the NBA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're probably right. I mean, honestly, yeah, he I mean he shouldn't. I hate to say he shouldn't, because again, I, I feel like in the pandemic, you never. It's hard to say that, but I just don't see it getting much better anytime soon. They do Especially not have if they, lose, if they lose TJD. Uh, what do you think if he leaves yep. and they go after Scott Drew? Do you think that that is a realistic option that they can get? Maybe, maybe. Really? Scott, yeah, Scott Drew, Valpo guy, Indiana roots. God, but. That's oh, I don't know, man. You'd be you have to really be banking on yourself. You already built the program, didn't you? Yeah, but it's it's Indiana. That doesn't no. His family lives in Arizona, so that he wouldn't be coming back closer to to all of them. But it, it may. I feel like that's I, who you go after, right? Like, who else are you going to get that's at that level? You're I think Indiana. you find a guy like Jawan. Like, you need you need those East Coast guys to come back to play him at IU, like. East Coast guys, they New York people love IU. I don't know what it is. They need more of that East Coast talent. Like they should have had Kyrie Irving. You know, that's a great story I'll tell one day. They, they Tom Green literally lost himself Kyrie Irving, and it is like you can't I tell it right now. Time. You can't tell it right now. No, I can't tell it right now. I gotta save that one. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll save that one. That's a teaser right. next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 